Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks. Well, it's a little surreal, but uh, reality nonetheless, we are recording the first Game Plan Podcast postseason edition and it's hard to say that even on uh, january 7th but he's brian perkins still i'm still chewed to newbie allegedly and this is still the game plan podcast allegedly did you morph i did morph i turned into a super fan judah for about uh, 48 hours i got really hyped and uh then went through a cavalcade of emotion came out of the cavalcade to enjoy football yesterday i really did i really felt like i had processed everything on sunday and I was ready to move on and just enjoy football. And then this morning, for whatever reason, I think everybody talking about it more and it just the realization of the finality of the Seahawks season hit me again. And the emotions brought me back down to a to a level below zero. Perkins, how do you feel? Yeah, I'm I'm uh, are you I'm, good? I'm pretty much house money, baby. It was house money this season, right? I guess I uh, but, but once they got there. Once they got there, it wasn't house money for me anymore. Once they got there and that opponent in that game, it was so winnable that it no longer became house money. Yeah, and you want to beat the Cowboys because the Cowboys suck, and you just you don't like the Cowboys. Clearly they don't suck, but yes, I know what you mean. By you know what I mean. The Cowboys do suck. I mean, Seattle was not going to go to the Super Bowl. Like, it was not going to happen, regardless mm-hmm. if they won this game or not. Mm-hmm. And I believe that a 1,000%. So, yeah, it's definitely a bummer because when you look back on the season, while it was a fun season— they lost to the 49ers. They lost to Phillip Rivers, which for me personally sucks. Mm-hmm. And they lost to the Cowboys. That's uh, the triple threat of uh, frustrating for yeah. a lot of Seahawks fans. So, yeah, you know, I, I'm i feeling better now. I was definitely frustrated after the game. I, uh, I went to Twitter to let that out for about five minutes, and then I put my phone away for the night and took my mind off of it. And it was I was pretty good for the rest of the night. I had a good time. But... Yeah, I mean, what a frustrating end to what was at a lot of times, like I said, a fun season. Yeah, what was the most frustrating part about this, you know, <laughs> aside from the loss itself? Um, you know, you could point at the injury to Sebastian Janikowski at the end of the first half that Classic. just caused for a lot of, you know, it ultimately worked in Seattle's favor from a point after touchdown uh, standpoint. They went for two twice, they got it both times on some relatively bread and butter plays. And that felt good. And it forced um, them to be a little bit more uh, less conservative on that fourth. They like ran it three times, and then they, which forced them to, into like a fourth and six, which classic. You run it three times to get four yards. Uh, just if that does not encapsulate the Seahawks game, then I don't know what does. But then they end up scoring a touchdown on that drive. So, yeah. and with Janikowski, I'm not sure they 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 play that the same way. Right. If they know they have their kicker. Right. And I think that's a good point. It almost forced them to be more aggressive and uh, open-minded down the field a little bit more in this game. We'll get to that in a bit. But whether it's a Sebastian Janikowski injury, whether it's the fact that Dixon filled in for him, and then, you know, we're we're already talking about the most desperate of situations when you're relying on an onside kick recovery to extend your season. So although Dixon's attempt did not look well, that is like way down on the list for me as far as most disappointing factors it just, um, yeah, it was the final nail in the coffin. But I don't know how it can be, how people can be really that frustrated with it. 
you're asking a rookie who like doesn't kick onside a kicks, rookie non kicker yeah to to execute a play that we have seen a dramatic it's already a low percentage but with the rule changes this year no one gets a running start things yeah. like that the the odds of converting a uh, that type of play are extraordinarily well, low it's pretty clear that he hadn't practiced it i think yeah. i don't think he really practiced it it didn't look like he knew what he was doing and I think Pete like talked to him on the sideline a little bit, just like pump him up a little bit, but also like, do you know what we're asking you to do? I don't know. I don't think they were ready for that moment. No, no. I think they would have been. It would have been better for him just to kick the ball as hard as he could at one of the guys, and hope that it bounced off him. I think that's what you do next like, time. <laughs> I like, think that's the best way to do it. It's like in uh, the Water Boy. Yeah. <laughs> like you just you find the one guy that looks nervous, and you kick the ball as hard as you can right at him. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, frustrating parts for me too is is the third and fourteen quarterback draw by Dak Prescott to extend the drive late that ultimately results in a touchdown. If you stop him there, kick a field goal, you'll get the football back with a timeout and ready to go down, score a game winning touchdown or try to. Um, but that third and fourteen quarterback draw, that's the play I will remember from this football game, unfortunately, as the play that killed the Seahawks. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the defensively, there were a lot of issues in this game. K.J. Wright, by the way, looked freaking awesome, which was good to see. I think uh, I'm, I'm assuming that gives them encouraging signs in terms of potentially bringing him back. I mean, he barely played this season, but assuming he can get back healthy, clearly he is still at the top of his game with mm-hmm. how well he played in that game. He was great. But, yeah, I mean, the third and 14, and, and overall defensively, again, <laughs> it was what we've seen all season from this team in a lot of ways. Uh, not a very good defense. That did create a turnover, but Dallas was able to move the ball when they needed to against Seattle uh, multiple times in this game. And, uh, you know, it just, at the end of the first half, allowing the big run by by uh, by Ezekiel Elliott, and then that third and long conversion, like you said, just a couple of really frustrating scenarios there. You know what's funny is that I did not, how do I put this? I think I, yeah, the fourth quarter defense was bad, but... Going into the fourth quarter, they had played three quarters of great defense. They really had. And here's why. First 15 plays of any game scripted from the offense, they're going to be on the front foot, you know, they're, and they're going to be coming at you. It's really hard to stop the run right out of the gate against a great running team in their home stadium. Dallas moving the ball initially, not a surprise at all. Not a surprise. Holding them out of the end zone is it's a win for Seattle. Getting them a field goal right out of the gate, good job, Seattle. Um Dallas had struggled offensively in the red zone all year. Seattle had been good in the red zone defensively all year. Then they put together four great drives of defense and keep Dallas from moving the ball, keep them from scoring. That's great defense. Dallas doesn't score again until their last drive before the half. And all that is is it's good coaching and it's a good play by Zeke Elliott. Third and one, you know, it's a designed run up the middle, but Zeke bounces it outside. He sees it. And unfortunately for Akeem King, uh, you know, Troy was right that he did have outside contain on that, and there's nobody outside of him, and Zeke sees it. He bounces it out. Boom, 44-yard run just like that. And we're talking about one mistake by one minor role player that leads to a huge, huge moment. Still, you got to keep him out of the end zone there, if at all possible, and you got to give Dak a lot of credit and Gallup a lot of credit for connecting on that touchdown. It's a really well-executed play. Second time's the charm. Yeah, but again, they and they tried it, and they were going at Shaquille Griffin. And Griffin, you know, you had mentioned it 
earlier off the air, but I'm not sure he was fully healthy in this game. But between, you know, he made a couple good plays, even the pass breakup he had on the near sideline. Good play, although it would be nice to get the pick there. Um, he didn't have a great game, and he struggled in that first half. They went at him. That touchdown before the half was massive to put Dallas up 10-6. Yeah, not only that, but Seattle, it, it looked like it was going to go the other way. Seattle was driving, and I was thinking, man, they score a touchdown here. They're up 10-3 going into the half. They get the ball. All of a sudden, they're up 17-3. This game's over. Like That's kind of was my, my, my frame of reference. And obviously that does not happen. And you see, you know, the field goal and then uh, Dallas goes down. And then, of course, Janikowski gets injured. And a lot of people are I, I thought it was interesting. There were I saw a lot of people um, criticizing the play calling with 26 seconds left after the locket return. I'm not sure what more you could have done there, uh, given what the scenario was. Um, maybe been a bit more aggressive in terms of trying to get obviously farther down the field. But you have 26 seconds and I think one timeout at that point. Yeah. There's not a lot you can do with that frame. I mean, you have a time. You have time for basically four plays. Yeah, I wasn't really shocked or, or stunned by the play calling either, or took issue with it there at the end of the half. Yeah, um, but it's one of those. House I'm not looking at a lot of replies on Twitter either. <laughs> well, I yeah, get my I mean, own thoughts every now and then that I just like. Nah, no one else knows anything, so I'm good. <laughs> none of us know anything besides you. For being honest, <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Seattle ultimately goes down at halftime. And look, first half, offensively, it's a handful of big plays to set you up for a couple of field goals. Uh, you know, the big play to lock it, big play to Dixon, um, big play to lock it again, two huge plays to lock it off play action, which were there to be had. They were there to freaking be had. Six targets for Lockett. That's it. Yep. Four catches for a buck twenty. Needed more. It's pretty clear they needed more. They needed more down the field. In this game, and they, 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 in my opinion, they ran the ball four too many times and had four too few play actions. And that's a lot for a game. It makes a difference. That I mean, it makes that, a huge difference. You're talking about hitting on one of those play actions and getting down. I mean, they were, Russ was 10 of 11 for 115 yards on play action in this game. Yeah. His yards per average is 8.6 on the road, sacked only one time, and you lose. Brutal. What were, you, what were you thinking going into the half? Because I was thinking, I was man. thrilled. I well, I, I was not thrilled. I was a little subdued, but I prepared after the Zeke run. The Zeke run was huge to yeah, me. Yeah, the Zeke and then the injury to Seabass kind of makes you go, oh crap! Like that's a total downer. Uh, but yeah, the Seabass injury, I was like, gosh, we got we got to put this ball in the paint. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, to be honest though, like I still felt, I was like, okay, they're a second half team. They're going to make second half adjustments. Russell was freaking in fuego in the first half when given the opportunity. So clearly, they're oh, going to open up the passing the second, game. In the second quarter. You know, they had no first downs in the first quarter on two drives. Yeah, and he didn't get a—I mean, he didn't have a lot of opportunity. I mean, it was true. It was third and long, and I consider third and long uh, to be basically six and— The Jalen Smith tip, you know, that was a good play by him. But you're right, yeah. Second quarter, it seemed like he was heating up. The deep balls to lock it twice, and Dixon showed you Russ was locked in. Yeah. He was here to play. yeah. And and second half, you were, I'm totally with you. I was like, second half, we got Pete Carroll. They got Jason Garrett. We're going to make the adjustments, and we're going to go finish this football game. And in my opinion, Dallas was crashing so hard on the QB keep, or on the QB gives to Carson. It looks too obvious, even to me, that it's like, read keepers in the second half have to become a thing. And they didn't until late, I think, in the fourth quarter. You ended up scoring the touchdown by Russell, which was awesome, but... 
Um, I, I, I thought it would happen sooner than that. Russell finishes with 14 rushing yards in this game. I thought that number would be at least around 40 or 50, maybe a scramble or two. Didn't happen. Instead, Carson gets the ball 13 times for 20 yards. Mike Davis gets it four times for 10 yards. And if memory serves, that's a combined 17 rushes for 30 yards that are on pretty, you know, up-the-middle runs, I should say. Non-creative runs. There wasn't anything special about Davis and Carson's carries from a strategic standpoint. And I believe four of those Davis yards were, at the end of the first half, the draw play to get them closer in field goal range when right. no one was expecting them to run the draw. They, they expected a quick pass play there. Right. So four of those 10 yards, the rest, six yards on three carries beyond so, that. I mean, Look, man, playoffs, little things matter. And, and frequency of play calling with the run as opposed to the deep shots or just passes in general to let Russell do his thing. If you're talking about two or three of those going the other way, um, that wins you this football game, I think and stopping them on a third and 14 in the second half. But you're right, at halftime, feeling really good. I, I honestly, I was walking out, and I was like, you know what? Even with the miss by Seabass, I'm like, it's 10-6. We're going to make the adjustments. We're going to come back and win this football game. I liked how the defense was playing. And ultimately, they got into the fourth quarter with a lead. They got into the fourth quarter with a lead. And this is a fourth-quarter team. And they got blown out, man. They got blown out. It was 14-0 before they, they ended up in the fourth quarter, before they were able to get the last touchdown there at the end. Yeah, I mean, the game was over. I mean, I know the score is 24-22. But... Yeah, but you're talking about a last-ditch effort. No, no. The game is decided before you have to do the desperation move. And maybe you yeah. steal the game that way. But for 55 minutes, Dallas, especially that last 10 minutes, man, they beat Seattle offensively. And kept Seattle from doing much, uh, you know, on offense for themselves. Well, and you mentioned Friday how good Seattle's run defense has been all season. You know, top five in the league, and and that was a concern of yours. Dallas, and, yeah. Did I say Seattle? Mm-hmm. Oops, sorry. Yep, Seattle or Dallas. Jeez, boy, I'm on one today. Uh, Dallas's run defense was was obviously very good the majority of this season, and I I know what got Seattle to where they were, which was running the football. But I am still trying to figure out how you don't realize that what your game plan was is not working at all. Right. And you have the fortune of having a quarterback that is extremely, extremely talented, like top five in the NFL good by every metric. And yet you make virtually what felt like zero adjustments, especially in the third quarter when you had a chance to go out there and put this game away. And instead, you once again fall, rest on your laurels. You get the one long run from Penny, I guess, the, to help boost the numbers a little bit late in that game. I know, without but, that, God. And again, you are relying on your defense that, yes, had played well for a lot of this game, but through the entire season, hadn't necessarily stepped up when they needed to. You're relying on that defense to make a stop to allow your offense to finally do something late in the game. Right. And, allowing, and depending on Russell Wilson, who you have muzzled, for three quarters to finally come out and make plays when it matters. And that just pisses me off because you have the talent. You, ha- I mean, let's – real quick. Most talented players on offense. Russell Wilson won. Who's number two? Doug Baldwin, right? Healthy Doug Baldwin. That catch was unbelievable. Tyler Lockett, three. He has to be, given what he's done this season. You are basically make. I mean, you are taking your top three offensive weapons – and muting them for three quarters of the game. I don't understand 
the mindset of Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer in that scenario. I mean, I'm really trying to like understand why they felt like they just needed to keep doing what they were doing and eventually it would work. Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, I do feel like Brian Schottenheimer was one of the reasons they lost this game. I just got to say it. And I've generally been trying to stand up for the guy and, Look, the offense has produced more than we thought it would, yep. especially in the run game. Definitely exceeded And we love giving Solari all the credit in the world, and probably rightfully so, but I thought Schottenheimer deserved some of it as well. Not all of it, but some. But, uh, you know, it's it's ironic, but as I was getting into playoff mood, quote-unquote, I was re-watching uh, the 2010 playoff games, the Jets and the Patriots. I don't know why, but they were available on YouTube, so I watched them. And Schottenheimer is the OC of the Mark Sanchez, uh, Sean Green, Thomas Jones, or actually LaDainian Tomlinson on the Jets team that season. And it was a really conservative but effective game plan. When you have Mark Sanchez as your quarterback, we're talking about Mark Sanchez, not Russell Wilson. You know, the game plan doesn't fit the personnel as well as I think Seattle thinks it does. And really, they're costing themselves because they're cutting out Anthony's their most versatile and the the weapon that has the highest ceiling in terms of potential in Russell. So, yeah, you know, that being said, they do give him a lot of play action during the regular season. That's probably his best yeah. quarterback asset and pretty clearly, but they didn't give him enough of a play action opportunity in this game. That's that's, that's a failure, man. You got to do better. And again, this is this is the observation that I I I have again with the the issue that I have with the the Typical approach to what they do offensively is they put themselves in a lot of third down situations. Mm-hmm. Okay, sometimes it's third and one, third and two, which is okay. Your tip, but it's about fifty percent, fifty five percent completion when it's third and two or less. Okay, for an average NFL team, nothing is above fifty percent third and longer than that mm-hmm. in the NFL. So what you are relying on is being effective on third down. Yeah, great execution. Historically, NFL teams are below 50% converting on third down. So what you are creating is a week-in, week-out, inconsistent offense where you don't know if you're going to be successful or not. And by the way, Seattle this season, not very successful on third down. 18th in the league in third down percentage. And weren't they, what, didn't they have the most three and outs of any team in the NFL? They said that on the game broadcast. Yeah. And that, you know, ratifies that point. The only team that had... that. A playoff team that was a lower percentage than them were Houston. Guess who's sitting at home with the Seahawks in round two? I couldn't move the ball. They couldn't move the ball. So I guess that is is really an issue that I see more of a long term problem here. Is running the ball effectively is is great. Depending on third down efficiency being at a an all time high or higher than your NFL average is a problem. Why do teams? Why are teams able to move the ball? Like why? Why can Philip Rivers move the ball? Why can the Chiefs move the ball? You avoid third down by getting explosive plays on first and second. You avoid you third down. Yeah. That's exactly how yeah. you do it. And I would like to see how many third downs those teams had to attempt, but you could argue it's because they had the ball more. <laughs> yeah, and you know the other thing about this team is again, I'll just say it again, and you're you're going to disagree with me on this, but. Any time that this team is in a second and long situation, they give up. You know, Rashad Penny, 28-yard run. The literal next play was a seven-yard loss. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, mean, how can you even be happy? I, I was like, oh, okay, well, that's it. 
the fourth quarter. They get the pick. Holding, first and 20, drives over. Yeah. And you knew it. And it, and obviously the fluker play helped exacerbate yeah. that, right? You know, I, I have come around on that a lot more. I think the, the San Francisco example we were using, I was... I was pushing back a little bit because the context of the game, you know, was like, there's no way I, I think they're going to get this first down no matter what they try. So I might as well take care, of the, take care of the football and survive in advance. In this game where you're not backed up to your own 10 and sloppy conditions against your rival in December or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt the same way. I thought when you got behind the sticks, second and 15 or longer, I was like, I don't be surprised if they run the ball again here. Yeah. Holding call and this drives over. You're right. I, there's not a, enough explosivity potential. Um, that's not play action deep ball, um, and they're not going to do, do that, that every time. And they're not going to do that in that situation yeah. because they have not historically yeah. throughout the year. And, and they said, haven't. They're not set up for it. Who you can't exactly run play action down the field when it's second and fifteen, <laughs> first and twenty. Like, yeah, it's harder to do. No, you know, the defense knows. You got to get more diverse in your screen game. You got to get more diverse in your screen game. Your middle passing game. I mean, there's there are teams that find success, and it's not going to happen every time. We know that, right? Like, yeah. you know that if it's first that's and 20... The, that's why those situations suck. Yeah, the odds of converting on a first and 20 are phenomenally low, and we all... I understand that. But even in the first half, right, it was third and, I think, 15? Mm-hmm. I think they were on their own 30-ish yard line. A freaking, like, what was it, like a flare to Vanette? Yeah. Yeah, it was a give-up play, for sure. It was literally just like, we don't even want to attempt. Mm-hmm. any. We don't even want to give it to, like... A screenplay to like Carson. We don't even care. We're going to hand it off to our slow white tight end and let him get tackled for five yards and punt the ball. Like that's, <laughs> that was their game plan yeah. on that play. And it's just really frustrating because you immediately know, well, this drives over anytime there's a penalty because that's the way their offense is designed. I'm starting to come to the realization more and more as well that in order to move the ball on offense in the playoffs, you have to have wide receivers make plays. And by making plays, I'm talking about coming down with contested catches. That's how you That's how you can really move the ball. You saw it in the Philly-Chicago game yesterday with Jeffrey making plays, Golden Tate making plays, which, by the way, how many former Seahawks are still helping their teams win games between Okung and Bennett and Tate? Um, Though Okung with the holding penalty. That was bullshit. That was a bad call. <laughs> it was, well, it, might have been, it was a weak call, I'll put it that way. Yeah, it's that guy's not was, tackling that guy. The, the problem was it was so close to the play. You're right; he wasn't going to make he the wasn't play. Tackle him. But but it yeah, was kind of obvious with the arm across the chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I understand why they call it. But anyway, a lot of former Seahawks still moving on, which you know, happy for them. Um, glow, glow. <laughs> that indie line is nasty, and glow is part of it. My God, crazy. It's cool, man. Seattle has Posick. Me Bane. I know, yeah, but uh, hey, you won't. I'm not grabbing about our own line this year. No, did phenomenal job. But anyway, you know, Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett, two receivers that really made plays in one-on-one clutch situations. The only one that really ended up coming back to hurt the Seahawks was the first half goal line ball to Doug that he just didn't get a great uh, opportunity to secure it. Um, but if he makes that catch, that's obviously a big one, right? And the entire Seahawks offense all year was built on a lot of receivers making plays in, in one-on-ones or just getting wide open in play action. And Doug's fourth down catch in the second half was one of the best catches in the most clutch situations I've ever seen. Incredible. And Baldwin has had a career of of big catches and big moments. I think back to the playoff game against uh, the Saints 
Mm. He had a big catch in that game yeah. in the fourth quarter. It was a third and seven, I want to say, and they yeah. went Huge deep catch. to the sideline to On him. On the sideline again. Clinched the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what an incredible catch, and what a great throw, too. And once again, Wilson, the balls to 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 make that play and the trust he has in Baldwin to come down with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the trust he has in, in Baldwin and Lockett, pretty unparalleled. I mean, it's it's incredible. And those guys just don't see the ball enough. Yeah, I don't think they do. Whereas Dallas's Gallup did make his play on, you know, the second attempt. They did come down with it, um, you know. So Gallup making his play, Baldwin not making his in the first half did kind of shape that first half a little bit. Um, but, you know, second half they they really balled out. Nothing and, from uh, David Moore in this game. No, not much from him. And there's one other. Uh, ben Baldwin had this great stat. Every uh, Seattle minimized their quarterback more than any other team on Wild Card Weekend. Wilson was involved in 32 plays. No other quarterback was involved in fewer than 41. The most efficient quarterback moved on in every Wild Card game except for Seattle Dallas. You know, and I got to tell you, it's, are you, are you trying to make me cry again? It's not that encouraging to hear. Pete Carroll's comments after the game <laughs> for me. Yeah, um, he seemed pretty resolute, you yeah. know, and, and look. He said they didn't run the ball enough in the first half. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. <laughs> I don't think I could come into work tomorrow. Oh, man. And what, is this, what does this mean for Wilson's future with Seattle? Does he eventually? He's he's saying all the right things. No, no kidding. Russell Wilson saying the right things. If you are Russell Wilson, just put yourself in his position, what he's done in his career, and the competitive mindset that he has. Are you satisfied with your role in Seattle's offense? Yeah. Um. No. Seattle obviously has a lot of control because they can franchise tag him for three years and he's under contract next year. So, I mean, if they really needed to, they have a a lot of control. But I'm just saying from his perspective, would it be unfair for him to say, I am not being utilized enough for this team. I'm I'm unhappy in this situation. I just don't see him ever doing that, even if he felt that way. I don't know if he'd ever make that public. I don't know if he'd make it public. Would he make it private? You know, maybe, but I don't think it would be doing it at any of his coaches or coordinators' expense. I think he is such a team-oriented guy that is such integral to his own personal philosophy, even over the personal competitiveness. He's more of a team competitor than anything. The only thing he cares about is winning. That's it. So if he's making money and winning, then he, he I don't think he would demand any different situation for himself that would prioritize individual success. I don't think he would. But I, I don't know if that's at the team's own expense or not. I don't think so. I mean, this team obviously has to have Russell Wilson to be successful. They have to. But, you know, I think there's slight adjustments that need to be made in the uh, in the offense. No question. But are they going to make them? I don't have trust that they will. But, again, everything gets magnified in the playoffs. It does, and it's, everything gets magnified. I mean, we were talking about every single play as something of consequence, and and drawing conclusions on any given player by 
these accumulation of plays in one game. You know, Neil Olshay would tell us to bifurcate, but... <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't listen to anything Neil Olshay says. But with that being said, I agree. I think it's easy to overreact. I mean, we were talking not one week ago about how Pete Carroll should be getting consideration for coach of the year, you know, and now, now people are calling for his head. Well, so, I mean, it's just, on. it's, it's easy to overreact, just to hurts. but it, it is a little frustrating because you know how good of a motivator Pete Carroll is, how good of a coach he is defensively, how good of a strategist he is defensively. And I just wish that he would hand over the offense, hand over the reins to allow someone else to come in and kind of, you know, make it their own, make it a bit more creative, and focus more around their weapons, their best player, their asset, which is Russell Wilson. Yeah. Because if they did that, there's no doubt in my mind they would get to the promised land. I do not doubt for one moment that Pete Carroll will keep this team competitive and in the running for the playoffs for his tenure in Seattle, however long that is. I have no doubt in my mind because he's a very good head coach. Are they ever going to get the defense good enough again to allow – the offense to do what they clearly want to do. I don't know. I don't know, man, but I guess people are still excited about this team's future. And I understand that because it's still a relatively young team. Um, easier said than done. Easier said than done. I mean, 10 win seasons don't come around very often. Isn't it amazing? Last season, we were talking about how team friendly the schedule was, how loaded the roster was. Team wins nine games. This year, it's how thin the roster is, how tough the schedule is. Yeah. They win the more games. And the conference is down, and they end up winning 10 games. They they are a good team. I know. It's bizarre. And there's a lot of holes to fill, you know? Um, every year. I mean, every year there is. But, you know, Seattle had it good for, like, three or four years. I mean, come on. Defensively, they... They yeah, had they were, superstars. And, they were pretty loaded. And outside of McDougald in that secondary, you know, Shaq is still young. People are – it is really funny. It is very, very humorous to watch people knee-jerk react to things, saying, like, Shaq, Shaq he plateaued his rookie season. Like, what the, mm-hmm. what the, what the hell are you talking about? It's mm-hmm. just, you know, I mean, you know, Trey Flowers, they really need to By get the way, replaced. By you know. special teams all yeah. over the place. <laughs> That's yeah. great. And Nico. And Nico was the downing at the one was nasty. Oh, there are so many good things that happened in this game. The KJ interception. The interception was incredible. And, and I it thought it had such a big moment. And didn't you think I was thinking in mid to late third quarter, early fourth quarter to mid fourth quarter, I was thinking to myself, if someone can force an some whichever team forces a turnover in this game is going to win. That was my thought. Yeah. This is the way this game was going. The same thought. And I've thought, okay, here we go. This is when Seattle busts out a five-minute drive, you know, 70 yards, 80-yard drive, scores a touchdown. They go up by double digits with two and a half minutes left, game over. And instead, holding penalty, (laughs) personal foul, drive over, game over. And again, Seattle is haunted by a Dallas quarterback converting a third and long. Yeah, we talked about Tony Romo doing that thing in 2014. And uh, ultimately, it's different scenario. This one's even more frustrating, given the stakes, given the play design, and given the who's at quarterback, and given who's at quarterback. Yeah, KJ said after the game they were surprised by the quarterback draw. Oh, it was a good call. No bleep, you were surprised. I was surprised. I didn't, but it was a good play call. It took everybody by surprise, but still two missed tackles. 
you know, you had him. Bobby missed a tackle, which first one ever, first one this season. All right, we got to get out of here. With your offense the way it is, the room for error is teeny tiny. Teeny tiny miniscuni. Oh, well, it's going to create a lot of conversation this offseason, I'll tell you that much. We'll try to do another podcast later on this week as we <laughs> get even more uh, separated. Only road team to not win. Unbelievable. All the road teams won except for us. It's because we wore our home jerseys. Freaking Eagles won. Good for them. I, like, I, I, like I typically Philly. root for upsets, and my, my boys, ah. the Chargers. Oh, I look nasty. Your voice the Chargers you hate. I, know, I hate Phil Rivers, but I told you they would win. Oh, you're done. You got them going all the way, right? Good game plan. Yeah, I, I, they're, I said if they got past Baltimore, I think they, they go all the way. I think they're going to beat New England this week. Okay. They've won nine straight on the road. That's wild. <laughs> I am, you got to be rooting for the Chargers, right? <sighs> Against New England? Like, I picked them, so I guess. Yeah, you're rooting for the Chargers. I'm, I'm just going to watch, and whoever comes out of that, I'm rooting against in the championship game. Against either Casey or Indy? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Casey Indy might be decent. The Colts looked really good. They did, man. They can block. I mean, that first half, the game was over, right? Like, I mean, essentially, I didn't even watch the fourth quarter. Two possessions in, 14 nothing, just like that. Yeah. Man, that poor Chicago kicker. Whew. Yeah, and the ball was, like, tipped, but it was so subtle, no one saw it. Yeah. Until after the game, and I saw the video of him getting just completely wrecked by fans as he was leaving the field. Yeah, Chicago fans are very kind people. Sports fans in general, man, are just in that situation. You see it on Twitter, right? The knee-jerk reaction stuff. It's the same thing in the stadium. But people hanging around, because like you saw, I don't know if you saw the video, but most of the stadium is empty. People hung around specifically to jeer him as he left the field, which is a pretty shitty thing to do. Yeah, they felt, I mean, that's, they felt a certain type of way. I mean, that's him. that's for sure. You, you know what, guys? Thank God you mentioned to him that he missed the kick because he didn't realize the ramifications of him missing that kick. F off. <laughs> Next time you don't file your TPS report, I'm going to have 10 people come in and jeer you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's definitely happening. All right. He's Brian <laughs> Perkins. I'm Judah Newby. An unceremonious conclusion to this Game Plan podcast, just like the unceremonious conclusion of the season. We'll see you later.